The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pill. Tonight, we're talking about government spying on you via social media and other stuff. I'm not sure I really understand the topic tonight. I'm not going to lie. No, to it's you. all good. I've, um, I, it started off in one thing, and then uh, I started finding other threads that I wanted to pull into this. So it's kind of become something else. But yeah, we're going to be talking about TikTok and AI and the Restrict Act and drugs and adrenochrome and everything it's got a little bit of everything that's the way i kind of like to do things so um yeah anyway really excited to be here real quick shout out to tusk tooth and victoria virgo over on locals our two new two newest local subscribers uh thank you guys so much for that and actually before we even get started uh we have a, uh, an announcement i'm very excited for we actually have a deal for you guys it's going to be I think the coolest uh, deal that we've got for anybody in, in another announcement, um, we partnered this week with Rockfin. And if you guys are familiar with Rockfin, they are kind of, the best way to describe it is kind of like a Netflix subscription for podcasts, for a lot of conspiracy podcasts. If you guys know who Paul Joseph Watson is or Sam Tripoli or Owen Benjamin or a lot of the cult of conspiracy, if you subscribe to Rockfin and you go through our link in the description, not only do you get our show, our bonus content, uh, and and the live show and the regular show and everything you would get on Rumble and anywhere else, but you get to so you get to see all of their premium content as well. And I think it's like fifteen dollars a month. They might be running a deal right now where it's ten dollars a month. Uh, but Rockfin is a really cool thing where you can get not just us but so many other people. So we're excited to be a part of that. And starting next week, we're going to be doing a full bonus second show every week. We're going to be doing the Unhinged show on Thursday nights. So. Thank to Rockfin for allowing us to have the ability to do that. So very excited for that guy. Um, and uh, just just so you know, if you guys are subscribed on Locals, if you're subscribed on Odyssey, the stuff's still going to be there as well. But you'll only get our stuff. So I think that Rockfin's a really cool deal. So Only us. <laughs> only us. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> which you is can, a, it should be enough for you guys right now. <laughs> the way I see it, you can you can pay $5 a month to get just us. Or you can pay an extra 10 on top of the five, so 15, to get us and all of these other people. So that's just like math that you got to do. If you want just us, then I'm not going to complain about that at all. I just realized that I was coming through my <laughs> camera again. <laughs> so that intro is going to sound awful. 
for for yep. people who are on audio. Sorry for that, guys. The, the it it gets messed up sometimes. Yeah. So uh, that should sound a lot better. That should sound a lot better. So. Restream really likes PJ's uh, webcam. It really mic. does. It really does. And I'll check it before the show and I'll be like, all right, here's switch. my $400 microphone through my $700 mixer. And then it's like, no, let's go through the webcam. Uh, Pronoun <laughs> Ree says he will subscribe to Rockfin if you shave your head. I think you have to do it. Oh man, and I don't know if we have. And look, we're not the Babylon B. We don't have subscriber <laughs> dare. Okay, <laughs> it's not part of the deal, guys. Um, so anyway, uh, let's I'll get into shave the mine for you. Yeah, Abby will shave her head. There we At go. At some distant future time, you should just go ahead and send it for Rockfin, and I'll get yeah. around to it. She'll get around to it. So, <laughs> all right. So to get into the show tonight, guys, uh, we're going to be talking about U.S.-China relations to begin this and. You know, we're constantly hearing, are we just a breath away from a full-blown world war with China, things like that, tensions escalating in Russia. And you know what? I am not prepared tonight. I don't have my screen ready to go. <laughs> we are it's all good. It's all good. We are professionals. Um, and one of the things I saw that came out today is this article, dumping the dollar. Will the will new BRICS currency replace the U.S. currency for trade? So just in the beginning, it says the BRICS collective uh, comp comprising Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa is working on a common currency in an attempt to ditch the U.S. dollar and push back against America's dominance. This move comes as Moscow and Beijing call for de-dollarization in the face of Western sanctions. So if you guys have been paying attention at all to economic stuff, uh, it's looking like the dollar, which is already kind of fake, uh, yep. <laughs> might not be the... Uh, the official currency of the world. I mean, for the longest time, it's been the currency of the international trade system. It's what everybody compares their their currency to. And now China's partnering up with people who used to be our allies and working to make this new BRICS dollar. It's looking pretty bad for us. So there's that. Uh, and just the idea is China looking to become become a new the new world superpower, replacing America as the world superpower. And who could have seen that coming with a dementia patient in office? Uh, but one of the things that we've been hearing about for years, and this is kind of, I, I want to just sh say this really quick. This whole thing is not going to be just like world news politics. It's just where it starts. Yes. So hang, hang in there. Boring. It's, yeah, it's, it's not the that. boring stuff. No one cares about it. It kind of is the boring stuff, to be honest with you. But I think it's important to set up the story. So this isn't uh, just, oh, yeah, this is what CNN said about uh, the China-US relations. Um, but yeah, it'll get, it'll get weird. But yeah. Uh, are they already conducting warfare with the U.S. is the idea. So I've listened to a lot of experts over the years kind of say like, you know, it's not we're not really fighting wars, at least in this stage of warfare, the way that they used to fight war warfare. So there's different types of warfare that China has basically on the on their books that they train their people in, which is like leader capture, which is like, hey, let's compromise this world leader uh, and get them to just go along with us. Couldn't imagine that happening to, you know, if maybe you have a s drug addicted son that's, you know, like taking bags of money from your country, something like that. And then there's like other types of capture, which is like, you know, one of the ways that that, that we've seen it happening in America is through, uh, well, I guess you could call it chemical warfare, uh, drug warfare, essentially, uh, through fentanyl. So fentanyl, and, and I don't want to go into this because there's like a ton of stuff about fentanyl. You could do like literally hours on how this whole operation works, but I'll just give you a brief uh, breakdown of it. Um, and... Uh, some notes from from uh, from this article it says investigators said Chinese drug suppliers send the ingredients to make fentanyl to cartels in Mexico. 
And after creating the fentanyl, either in raw powder or pill form, the cartels would ship them across the border in trucks. So we know that the fentanyl is coming from Mexico, but it's coming from drug manufacturers in China. Chemists in China laboratories produce powdered chemicals such as 4-pipiridone, I think, uh, which is a precursor that serves as fentanyl's building blocks. So they're just sending the raw stuff to Mexico. They're cooking it up and shipping it over. Because of the way that they're doing it, Chinese labs maintain a veneer of legitimacy because the the building blocks, kind of like with meth, you know how they, they say it's like cold medicine is part of that? So like it's like sending cold medicine to, oh, to Mexico. You know okay, what I mean? So it's, it's got it. Yeah. So the, like the labs in China can make this for peridone or whatever it's called. And everybody knows what it's being used for, but they can pretend that it's legitimate. They have a legitimate reason to ship it internationally and America won't accept it, but Mexico will. So Mexico is taking this in Chinese labs pretending to be legitimate. Uh, they're getting around the laws, but everybody knows that this is being used to make fentanyl. Uh, and then last year, more than 11,000 pounds of fentanyl made its way into the U.S. and more than half of it came through the border of Mexico and San Diego. So fentanyl and other synthetic opiates were responsible for more than 71,000 fatal overdoses in the United States during 2021, according to the California Department of Health. So that's one form of warfare that we're seeing from China. It's like drugging up the population, uh, killing people. I mean... Drug overdoses in the last few years have been just absolutely insane. It's almost entirely due to fentanyl. Yeah. Um, and we know that that's coming from China. So the fentanyl deaths, I, I saw, I saw a graph that was just, just showed it had logarithmically increased the amount of death. It was just, it made every previous drug look like just smoking a regular cigarette. In comparison, even even the worst stuff like heroin made it just. I mean, it's like a few grains of this stuff will kill people, and that's the other thing too. And like, this is the part I don't understand: is like, it's being found in other drugs like cocaine and stuff like that, where you would normally take a greater amount, right? And I'm trying to understand that one is like, is that actually just trying to like kill people? Because I can't imagine like from a drug. Sounds like it. I don't understand like the you know like how they say sometimes you'll put they'll put like cocaine or, or like traces of it in weed to make it more addictive or things mm-hmm. like that. You hear about that with fentanyl. It's like let's put a trace of this and this and then just kill our customer base. Like I, that's the part I'm not understanding. Is it just stupidity or are they? It might paid? just be. It might just be that they're mixing these drugs in the same laboratories in Mexico. And little grains are getting. And in. it only takes little grains. I've never really delved into that, but like that's what you hear in the news is like, oh, people are getting fentanyl on accident in, you know, cert- certain other drugs, sometimes not even illegal drugs. Sometimes like a little bit of fentanyl gets in there like Tylenol or something like that. And they're finding like, Jeez. you know, so it's it's weird. So not all these deaths are just people who are like strung out. Some of these deaths are uh, maybe many of them are accidental. Yeah. Wow. So. That's the first form of warfare that we're hearing about. Again, it's it's a different type of warfare than what we're thinking. You know, instead of kinetic warfare, bombs and things like that, it's starting off in these ways. And the other one is psychological warfare. And that's kind of the important thing for what we're talking about tonight. Um, and what we're constantly hearing is that TikTok is a part of this. So TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese multinational internet company headquartered in Beijing. And they've tried to pretend over the years they're not really Chinese owned or there's some type of separation but we know through all these studies and and stuff that all this chi- all the data is going back to China. China is able to collect all of your data and it's actually pretty intense like they can they can literally collect the uh 
notepad data. So like if you're typing like your passwords in your memo pad on your phone, things like that. Wow. Like it's it's accessing things like that. Um, but the reason it's psychological warfare is is not really the stealing of data thing, but it's that China's never actually had TikTok, which is interesting because they have a different version of TikTok uh, and it's a sister app called Douyin. I'm probably saying this way wrong. D-O-U-Y-I-N is how it's written in okay. American. But the idea there is that like you get educational stuff and stuff that's uplifting to your citizenry. And anybody who's been on TikTok knows it's like a lot of degeneracy and pushing uh, agendas that are uh, probably not good for the youth. You've seen like the challenges, like the mm-hmm. let's, you know, strangle yourself with a bag challenge, Tide Pods challenge, like all these yeah. things that have killed some people or just made everybody stupider. And that's kind of one of the arguments you'll hear from people on why they want to ban TikTok. So kind of the two arguments there are uh, they're stealing your data and they're trying to dumb down Americans and they're trying to make, you know, American children stupid and, you know, they, they want to push a certain propaganda on them. They want them to think a certain way about politics and world affairs and mm-hmm. communism and whatever. What's your thoughts on the, like that concept of not the data stealing, but like the TikToks dumbing down your kids, TikToks transing the kids kind of thing. Just having been on it, I can see it from both directions. On the one hand, you could you can make a solid argument that your algorithm is what you make of it. So when you see when you see those the senators up there saying my feed is all underage girls twerking it's like that's that's, that's you telling sir. that's telling us about the, the senators yeah. i think but at the same time as clean as i try to keep my algorithm i yeah. do get fed things i i got interested in some like cosplay stuff like people dressing up like marvel characters i just thought it was fun yeah and i started getting fed like dom daddy stuff and it just, it was a really fast line. And I was like, holy, yeah. so at some point I had to just wipe everything to pull back out of some of the things that I'd accidentally walked into. And I can see how, especially a teenager could, the algorithm is really powerful in that it is always suggesting to you the next thing along the line and you can choose to walk into it or not. And if you're not discerning, it's really easy to do that. Um, I get into conspiracy stuff and then I get fed demonic stuff. And so it's easy to start walking into that or the LGBTQ stuff is out the fringes. I, I enjoy commentary on like the evangelical church and that kind of walks into deconstruction. So there's like a lot of things, but it, it is still what you make of it. If you scroll past those videos, don't interact, then you're not going to keep getting them. And I would actually argue that the algorithm, look, I've got tons of problems with TikTok. I'm not like going to yeah. sound like I'm defending them. But in my experience of having created content on multiple platforms and use all these platforms, I actually think the algorithm on TikTok is better than the algorithm on Instagram. Yes, because you can actually use your intention to point it in a direction, yeah. whereas Instagram is just like telling you what you want and it's just porn. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, that's the thing too is like, with Instagram, I've even read um, people that worked or seen videos from people who worked at Instagram. They're like, it will notice if your eyes linger on a woman too long, and then mm-hmm. it'll start suggesting porn of what women that look like that, essentially. So with Instagram, it, it seems like no matter how much you try and you go through and you're like, all right, don't see this, don't see this. Don't you can even click on him. the thing be like, please stop showing me you know, this right. stuff. It's going to show it to you. It's going to show it to you, whatever, way more than I think TikTok is. So like that argument to me is a little bit. Uh, yeah, 
the flip side of what I was saying, it also applies. I've seen leftists or or people on the other side of things on TikTok say that it exposed them to ideas on the right that they never considered before, that their their minds have been changed in ways that they were never changed on any other platform because of how kind of open the algorithm is of like, would you consider this new thing? Right. I think it is. I guess the last thing I'll say is that there are things that we have been able to research on TikTok for this show where we couldn't find it on any other platform. That's very true. And some of the platforms like Rumble, just because people haven't made that content yet on Rumble, it's not that they don't allow it. It's just that it's not there yet. But there's tons of conspiracy stuff on TikTok that you can't find anywhere else. And I'd hate to see that go away because I think that that's really opened people's minds. If you're not talking about Hitler or COVID, you can find the conspiracy stuff on TikTok easier than than Instagram, I think. Right. Yeah. Because Which is odd because our stuff does better on Instagram, but I'm just speaking from looking for things. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there's different reasons for that. But yeah, I think that's interesting. I also find it like a couple of these arguments that they're making, the, the data stealing, which we're going to get into, and the like, oh, TikTok is pushing these uh, degenerate ideas on our kids. I'm like, well, we're doing it to ourselves worse than China is, I really think. Um, yeah, from f- literally from the top of our government down. So it's it's like that one just falls so flat to me. Uh, either one, really. Like, oh, they're stealing our data. It's like, yeah, well, we, we know about Edward Snowden. We know about all the things we're going to be getting into tonight. Uh, some of it you might not know, and it's worse than you think. Uh, and the other one is like, oh, they're they're doing all these things to the kids. I'm like, I see it on Twitter. I see it on U- YouTube. Literally, I don't want to get into it. But YouTube, do I want to say it? Because it's it's so gross that I don't want to say it. But I think it needs to be said. Before it. Okay. So while YouTube was banning people for certain types of views, YouTube literally had a non-age-restricted video that went viral called Is It a Dick or a Dildo? In which a guy and another guy put a sheet between them and they were naked and they were shoving things up the other dude's butt and he had to guess which one it was. Unage-restricted YouTube. So like when YouTube does stuff like that, by the way, hashtag demonetize YouTube. Screw you. But my point is, sorry guys, I just had to say it because this is the this is the type of stuff that just like you know what I mean? We're doing it to ourselves. So um do we have some hyper chats over on Odyssey really quick? Yeah, we do. We have. Yep, I'm bringing this one up real quick. We got some memes. This one's from Blankets. Xi Jinping, the U.S. now has an act for internet wrong thing. Whoa, wrong thing? <laughs> Sounds like something we, <laughs> we do, doesn't. <laughs> do, do, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what no, I want. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, because that's the thing, right? Is like some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is like China's bad. Let's be China in order to combat China. Let's spy on our citizens harder than than China spying on our own citizens. So um, it's definitely something we'll get into. Also, like the Waffle Salter with the Bud Light, dancing Bud Light thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, so <laughs> you guys are getting me off track, but I love it. All right. So what I want to get into is like this idea is, uh, you know, if we're at war with China, then it makes sense to stop the attacks, right? Like how we close the southern border to deal with the the fentanyl attacks, right? So we should also close the the digital border. That's, that, that's what our senators want us to believe that they're trying to do. So we have this thing called the Restrict Act. And just really quick, uh, the idea is that it's, or it's called the Restricting of Emergence of Security Threats that Risk Information and Communication Technology Act, because they have to make it fit the, the acronym. Uh, <laughs> sold to the public as a TikTok ban. And this was introduced March 7th of this year, 2023, by Senator 
Mark Warren, who's a Democrat from Virginia. Uh, and one of the things I want to point out is like just a clear indicator, whatever side of the aisle you're on. If both sides are coming together, it's not this like kumbaya moment of we've achieved something. It's usually really bad. So it's usually, almost always really bad. Uh, that's that's swamp creature stuff is the way I look at it. So this uh, this um, bill allows the federal government to unilaterally designate any nation, any nation, a foreign adversary and ban online services and products uh, even indirectly controlled by an entity in their jurisdiction and then penalize Americans who conduct virtually any sort of transaction with them. And you know who's not mentioned in this bill? TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Yeah, the, the TikTok ban bill does not mention TikTok at all. Not even once. So you uh, mean it's not about TikTok? It's not about, yeah. Can you, you believe that our senators wait, would lie to wait, us? Wait, you're trying to tell me that the bill that both sides of the aisle have been united on suspiciously when they never unite on anything. Are you trying to tell me that this bill was never about TikTok? It was never about TikTok. Yeah. It's about banning and punish banning foreign adversaries at, at you know, it, anyway. So, okay. You know what, what other social platform is owned by another country? That's what I was about to get into next. <laughs> Are you gonna say rumble rumble? Yeah, is Rumble's Canadian. Canada. Yeah. It's Rumble's headquartered in Toronto. And you know what the other one is? And this one I would I like Rumble's in Canada, which is less right now in the political climate. It'd be harder to see them calling Canada an adversarial country, mm -hmm. but it also mm -hmm. seems like they can do whatever they want in this bill. It's really open. Uh, but the one I would point out that's even more at risk is Telegram. So Telegram is owned by a guy named Pavel Durov, and he was born in Russia. I'm probably pronouncing his name right. He left Russia and refused to cooperate with the Russian Secret Service and provide them encrypted data of his first social networks users. And then he became a French citizen in 2021 and moved himself and Telegram to Dubai in 2017. And nothing in this bill would protect this guy because it's just like he's not American. He's Russian. He's somehow connected. What does it say? It says even indirectly controlled or connected by an entity in their jurisdiction. And we've seen how we've treated anybody who could be considered Russian, a Russian asset, a Russian citizen being blocked from social medias and things like that. So yeah, rumble's not safe. Uh, Telegram's not safe in this. It also has a civil penalty of up to $250,000 for us citizens a civil penalty of up to $250,000 imposed by the secretary of commerce on anyone who conducts a transaction that violates this act. So you give a rumble rant and they've decided rumble's no good $250,000 to the secretary uh, of commerce. But that's, that's the only the beginning because that's the civil penalty. Then there's the legal penalty, which is where you can be found in violation of the act. You would face a potential criminal fine of up to $1 million and up to 20 years in prison. And it doesn't end there because they also included asset seizure for people who might want to, you know, <laughs> give a rumble rant if that becomes a thing. So this this uh, tweet here says the bill, the bill to ban TikTok is absolutely terrifying. It gives the government the ability to go after anyone they deem as a national security risk at any point. They can access everything from their computer to their video games to their ring light. And it literally says that here in the bill imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure to address any risk airing from any covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States 
And it goes on to list desktop applications, mobile applications, gaming applications, payment applications, web-based applications, information and communication technology, and artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, home computers, edge computer platforms, long, short, and backhaul networks, core networking systems, wireless access. I mean, it just goes on. Satellites, literally everything. So they can just take all of your stuff, fine you for a million dollars, and put you in jail for up to 20 years for doing business with an app that they don't like. Again, TikTok's not ever mentioned in this. Um, And then, (laughs) it's not bad enough. The bill also grants the government immunity from public oversight, because that's what we need, uh, restricting FOIA requests related to the enforcement of this bill. So the whole act that's like, hey, we can't actually keep everything uh, private from the public forever, indefinitely mm-hmm. now they can and then my thought with this is well my what would be your first thought what do you think people would do if they were like oh i'm worried that i can't access tiktok or rumble or telegram in america what's well, something a, a internet savvy person would do use a vpn right but that's also punishable so it's not enough that you might want to use a vpn so here comes from uh, this one article, Addictive Tips, and it goes into how the strict act, how the restrict act could affect VPNs, and it has several ways. It says it could ban or restrict any VPNs because it's completely open. That's the thing. Some people have tried to claim, some senators have tried to claim, well, we wouldn't do that. Yeah, the bill allows us, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't like, do that. <laughs> okay, then why do you need it in the bill? Right. Well, Never it's, just, it's, it, it's not even like I'm not sure it's actually really specifically in the bill as much as it's like so open that it fully includes this um, because it's, it talks about like any way to get around it, which is a VPN. So it's not like written out in the bill, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it says it could ban or restrict any VPNs that are owned or controlled by foreign adversaries, such as China or Russia. That's the first way it could also ban or restrict any VPNs that are used to access those apps. So literally just VPNs in general. So any one, and then just ban VPNs based on if they think they're a security risk, which again, there's no oversight. There's no FOIA requests. And it gives the Secretary of Commerce complete control over the Internet in a way that we've never seen before. This is the Patriot Act on steroids. And what's crazy to me is like the Patriot Act happened because of 9-11. Yep. I'm trying to figure out like what like besides the things we've laid out, which we've all kind of known about for years that like China's being sneaky and doing this and that and the other. Like what's the catalyst for this and that's maybe why i'm hoping it won't pass because i think people are starting to see this and what's scary to me is because i tried to start saying this on twitter i tried to say you guys it is it is weird that the parties are united in this and people pushed back on me and said well it's the freedom caucus that put this forward like but people are so dogmatic that they'll look at these people and be like well this person fought for me on this and i believe him on this I think that in this case, we had useful idiots on the right who were talked into this by somebody else um, who who are not particularly thoughtful people. And, and maybe I like a lot of the work that they've done, but you get a lot of these people who they don't know anything about TikTok. They don't know anything about Instagram. They don't. It's just this boomer mindset where like all social media is evil we're going to blame it for everything. We're going to blame it for how we failed to raise the younger generations right. And 
it's just become such a useful thing to blame everything on. It's so much easier to blame TikTok for everything wrong that's happening in the world and just to scapegoat it is what they're doing. They're scapegoating it. So the people on the right are scapegoating TikTok and they, they're going to feel really good for banning it. And then it the, we're just going to walk right into the left's game here. Can you guys hear PJ? Can you hear me now? Can you still not hear me? I can hear you. You can hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Oh, man. I'm telling you, Restream hates me. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's being censored i'm being censored over here um i for, totally lost my train of thought with that but yeah i i think you're right i think this whole thing is people are just walking into it because they see this as uh it's kind of a boomer mentality in a little in a, in a, in a way it's like oh it's not my fault i didn't raise my kids it's not my fault i put him on in front of a tiktok for six hours a day and didn't you know be a parent and restrict them from that it's tiktok's fault so yeah, I think it's that. I think I think that's more of the selling point to people than the data thing. I don't think most people actually give a crap about the the data stealing thing. I think a lot of people probably look at it the way that I look at it a little bit, which is like I'm probably more concerned with the, what the United States government's going to do with my data than what the Chinese government's going to do with my data. A little bit, anyway. So, <clears throat> um, but I think there's you can't hear me, right? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. I'm just um, letting people know that you're back and. Okay. Uh, I think there's two ways to look at this bill, right? So the one way is that they don't actually care about stopping Chinese influence and data harvesting. Otherwise, why is this whole bill everything else? It's like, right. if you really cared, about, if, if it was such a dire threat, if TikTok itself was such a dire threat, then why would you risk the bill failing because you put every other thing in there. The other way, the other way to look at it is they just don't care. They want to get two birds stoned at once and take as much power as they possibly can. And they're just like, hey, there's enough emotional uh, points here. We've got enough of the, the uniparty swamp in here supporting it together that we can get away with anything. And especially if we get it done quick, then no one will notice. No one will be the wiser. Did you say get two birds stoned at once? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Okay. Classic. Classic, so, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> and I I have I, so I want to play a clip really quick. I wasn't sure if I was gonna play this, but I think it's so funny that Lindsey Graham went on Jesse Walter or Jesse Waters this week and said he didn't support the bill that his name is on. So I just want to play a little bit of this real quick. Let's try to get some answers out of Senator Lindsey Graham, who supports this. And is here now. You got to be kidding me, Senator. Did you read this? Yeah, I don't think I support the Restrict Act. <laughs> you don't support this because you were named as one of the supporters because this is garbage. Well, is this the one with John? There's two bills out there. One allows a review of businesses that, that are connected to China, give the Secretary the ability to protect our data. Uh, is that the Restrict Act? We got His name's on the bill. Lindsey Graham's name is on it and he doesn't he know what it is. It. And he actually decided to go on Fox news and say, 
I don't know what this is. And then he goes on to give this whole, I'm not going to play the whole clip, but he goes on to be like, well, you know, my daughters use it or my grandkids use it and uh, it's bad. And it's like, that's not even what wow. the bill is about. The bill is not about that. You're like, it's about the, the data harvesting is supposed to be what it's about. And then his messaging is, I don't support it. Well, my name's on it. Well, I didn't read it. Well, is it this bill or is it this bill? Well, I don't know. I probably well, don't TikTok support it. Back. I'll come back. But TikTok's bad, right? I mean, it's <laughs> transing the kids. So like he has, n it's, it's so embarrassing that it's like, how's this guy a high level politician? You know what I'm saying? Is it just because most people let him get away with this BS if he goes on what he views as a friendly network? I think. I I guess. I honestly, the people in leadership are either dumb or paid off or both mostly. Yeah. Well, I think he deserves the name Lizard Graham. I think it's a good one for him. So, but I think I think that this is all a lot more complicated. And this is what I wanted to really get into now. I think this is a lot more complicated than is this about China stealing our data? Is this about, you know, the the transing of the kids or whatever other things you, that you might think are being pushed on TikTok and whatever? I think it all goes back to DARPA. So I first want to start by this quote from the New York Times. And it says, Every purchase you make with a credit card, every magazine subscription you buy and medical prescription you fill, every website you visit and email you send or receive, every academic grade you receive, every bank deposit you make, every trip you book and every event you attend, all these transactions and communications will go into a virtual centralized grand database. You want to have take a guess on when that was written? 2002. Two years before Facebook launched. This came from an article by William Sapphire in a column called You Are a Suspect and was published in the New York Times in 2002. And Wired Magazine goes on to say, talking about this article, it says he's discussing total information awareness, a U.S. defense, ad, uh, a US defense advanced research project agency, DARPA, program that proposed mining vast amounts of Americans' data to identify potential national security threats. The virtual grand database was to belong to the Department of Defense, which would use it to identify behavior patterns that would help to predict emerging terrorist threats. The purpose was to detect signals that could be used to identify terrorist behavior and head off attacks. Uh, the inspiration was the fact that the government had failed to connect the dots left by the 9-11 terrorists as they planned their attack. The the government failed to recognize when Bush and Cheney and the other people planned the attack. So they need to steal your data because supposedly some Saudi Arabian dudes planned an attack. Yeah. It's like they don't need a 9-11 moment for TikTok because Libs of TikTok is doing it for them. And and I was going to say that, but I almost like I almost didn't want to because I don't want it to sound like I'm attacking her. But no, I think they're using it the other work. way. She's, she's doing, doing great work. work. But I think that they they might have had something planned and then they realize they don't have to do it or that they. I mean, people are still like, we'll lay it at the, the Nashville shooting at the feet of TikTok. Like, uh, our kids are getting trans because of TikTok. So. See, and that's the thing is nobody's said that out loud, but it's been in the back of my mind that the Nashville shooting was the catalyst in a way where people are like, okay, I don't want to say it because I'll get destroyed on the internet and I'll get hated and I'll lose my job. But like, if we didn't have TikTok, maybe Audrey Hale wouldn't have gone nuts and shot up, you know, six Christians in, in right. Tennessee. You know what I mean? I think that that's like the quiet, like, okay, I'll accept yeah. you banning TikTok now. Yeah. And so this is what I want to be. I want to be clear. 
we're not saying that everyone who's supporting the TikTok bill is on par with the people who actively supported the Patriot Act. I think that there are people, a lot of just really careless people who are just like TikTok bad and they just want to find one quick, easy thing to do something to please the people. If we can just ban TikTok, everyone's already ready to scapegoat it. Let's just get rid of it. I get that to some degree, but it's also not a long bill. And I know there's been some people that have come out that were in support of it till the bill was written. Then they read it and they said, not this bill. Give me a bill that's just to ban TikTok. There's been people who are hardline. I still want to ban TikTok, but this is absolutely terrible. And I'm trying to think of the names of some of these people who have done that. I think that's the only acceptable response from politicians at this point. Because once you read this very short bill, you're like, oh, wow, this is like giving the government all the control. So especially if you're... uh, a conservative and you've been dealing with censorship on the internet for years and you're like, Hey, let's give the government a way to ban our alternative platforms like rumble. Let's give the government a way to turn, uh, turn anyone into a terrorist threat on the internet. Yep. I mean, they didn't get through the, uh, what was her name? I can't think of it. The, the whole disinformation board thing. So now they're just doing it by other means. And what's funny about this is going back to this thing, this, uh, T T I a that I was talking about the total information awareness act. Uh, or uh, DARPA project. This was a, this was before uh, or this was put in, started to be talked about and put into place before the Patriot Act. And then it got basically got shut down because it was too much. And then the Patriot Act still passed. So this seems like they've been holding this card for 20 some odd years trying to get this through. Um, But really quickly, I just want to say as we're talking about big tech and censorship and how much they suck, I think we're about done with YouTube for tonight. Uh, so we're going to be over on Odyssey. We're going to be on Rumble. We're going to be on Rockfin. Um, and we're going to shut off YouTube here in a minute. But I have one final announcement. We'll get back to where we're at with with DARPA and their projects. Um, today's Wednesday. So Friday, Hawkeye Media is launching a brand new podcast. If you guys have been following Jess, who does lit book reviews right now, her and Elise Malone, my sister, are starting this really amazing podcast. I got a trailer for you guys. So go check it out. You can uh, shoot. Do we have a do we have a link for this? I'll, I'll work on getting links okay, up. Okay, we'll drop a link, and I'll, if I forgot it in the show notes, I'll put it in later. Um, but it's called Quirks of Creation. I think it's just solo.to slash Quirks of Creation. So uh, here's the trailer for you guys, and then that's your warning to head over to Rumble, head over to Odyssey, because we're going to be shutting off YouTube in just a minute. Fragments of biblical script and other writings were found recently in a cave by Israeli archaeologists. Scientists at CERN have announced the discovery with 99.999% certainty that the fake frozen does exist, the so-called God particle. Smart to imagine that all of this was once underwater, remnants of a vast ancient lake can still be seen in the distance. So, what do you think? Yeah, I am stupid excited for this because uh, a huge part of the problem with the way that we talk about science stuff is that all the different branches of science are so compartmentalized and like geologists trust the biologists, trust the paleontologists, and they don't ask questions across disciplines. So they may have doubts within their own discipline, but they're like, well, I know that X is true, so I don't have to worry about this. And so because it's not... um, people aren't talking across disciplines 
there's a lot of mystery there um, and a lot of error. And I think that what Jess and Elise are going to do is, is kind of have these conversations across disciplines. Elise has a history background and Jess has a chemistry background and a science teaching background. And I think it's just going to be so cool of a mixture of topics. And I think there's going to be a lot of crossover with conspiracy pills as well. Um, I'm just really excited for it. Yeah, that's the thing I'm really excited for because I know there's certain things we talk about where I'm like, man, Jess would really know a lot about this and be able to delve into this deeper. And she's going to be doing some of that. So I'm sure there's going to be times coming up in the future where I'll be like, all right, we're talking about like ancient flood stuff or geology stuff or uh, proteins, CERN, things like that that Jess is going to cover from a more scientific background to be able to check that out. I think it's really really exciting concept for a show, so I'm excited. I realize that if you're listening to this, you probably uh, don't get a lot out of the trailer, which is mostly visual. So I will read the description of the show and then we'll turn off YouTube. It says the world is a heckin weird place through the mysteries of breakthrough science and archaeological discoveries, chemistry, physics and rediscovered ancient texts. We know one thing for sure. We really don't know all that much, or at least we don't know as much as we thought. So join Jess Holmes and Elise Malone every Friday night at 7 p.m. for a deep dive into the quirks of God's creation as we try to uncover where we came from and where we're headed. So I am very excited for this show. I can't wait. Friday's the premiere at seven. So hopefully you guys will join us. Um, but uh, yeah, so with all of that said, goodbye, YouTube, and we will continue the show. I'm also going to shut off Facebook and Twitch. So yeah, I think that, that all makes sense. Gross. So, all right. Anyway, so yeah, so we're talking about that. TIA, right? This idea that they're going to collect everybody's data. You know what's funny? There's a there's a one movie that we've talked about a few times that comes up that I think has so many little secrets in it that I never like. I, I like to bring this up. It's my favorite Marvel movie. I'll fight anybody on what the best Marvel movie is. It's Captain America Winter Soldier. This whole idea is in that as well as as Project Paperclip, as MK Ultra. It's really interesting how many conspiracy threads they put in that one movie. It's probably yep. why I like it the most. <laughs> But yeah, the idea is like collect everybody's data, determine who's a threat, and then, oh, they hijack the system. And they're just going to kill everybody that they see as a threat that votes the wrong way or thinks the wrong yeah. way or whatever. So also, I'm sorry I didn't notice your your chats over here on Odyssey. We got a $25. Uh, I don't know what you call these on Odyssey. Hyper chat from Waffle Salter. And we got a lot of memes from you guys. Let me let me pull one of these two of these up real quick. Um, oh, my gosh. I just messed something up. <laughs> I lost it. It went job, somewhere. PJ. You know, that's that's my job. F's in the no, chat for PJ. I think I just like made the screen go away. <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm confused. Here we go. No, that's not it either. We're professionals. We are. It's somewhere. Wow, I lost it. This is live streaming, everybody. Welcome yeah, I know. to live streaming. It is. Where we're <laughs> perfect people. Here's here's one from Waffle Salter. <laughs> Bud Light. Blame Canada. This is Waffle Salter. Uh, PJ, this is a meme from Blankets. PJ, hey guys, Abby couldn't make it today. So instead, we brought in her twin, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Hi, PJ wants to talk about my best movie, Mean Girls. The I mean, you guys are basically the same person. Yeah. It's the only person you've ever seen. <laughs> or only movie you've ever seen. Thank you guys for the I think there was one more. Was there? Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Come on. <laughs> There's always more memes in the Odyssey chat, you guys. It's a rocket ship. Oh, wow. You guys. Uh, PJ, let's stone two birds at the same time. Classic PJ. 
It is. Yeah. No, they, they, you, you want get two you, birds stoned at once. Yeah. Get two birds stoned. <laughs> Isn't that the phrase? No. If you, if you do two things at once, you get two birds stoned at once. <laughs> I thought that was the phrase. <laughs> it's like when you say worst case Ontario, like, <laughs> they're Don't both they're afraid. both references to the same TV show trailer park points. So I'm not that original. So anyway, anyway, um, but this whole TIA thing, according to government officials, has absolutely nothing at all to do with what I'm going to talk about next. So don't even let it get into your mind that what I just said is related in any way at all to the next thing that DARPA also did because the government told us that they're not connected or related at all in any way. Uh, this is a project called uh, LifeLog, a project of information processing, a project of the information processing techniques office of DARPA, again, um, called LifeLog. And according to its bid solicitation pamphlet in 2003, it was to be, quote, an ontology-based subsystem that captures, stores, and makes accessible the flow of one person's experiences in and interactions with the world in order to support a broad spectrum of associates slash assistants and other system capabilities. So to put in other words, the stated objective of LifeLog concept was to compile a massive electronic database of every activity and relationship a person engages in. This was to include credit card purchases, websites visited, the content of telephone calls and emails sent and received, the scans of faxes and post mailings sent and received, instant messages sent and received, books and magazines read, television and radio selection, physical location recorded via wearable GPS sensors, biometric data captured through wearable sensors. The high-level goal of this data logging was to identify preferences, plans, goals, and other markers of intentionality. Wearable sensors like Apple Watches? What? Yeah, it's something like that. No, yeah. you're being crazy. So <laughs> another one of DARPA's goals for LifeLog had a predictive function it sought to find meaningful patterns in the timeline to infer to the user's routines, habits, relationships with other people, organizations, places, and objects, and to exploit these patterns to ease its task. It doesn't sound like anything that's come to fruition ever in our history. Um, but news reports in the media started describing LifeLog as the diary to end all diaries, a multimedia digital record of everywhere th- you go and everything you see, hear, read, say, and touch. Does so- sound at all familiar? Is, is, it, is it Facebook? <laughs> what are you? No, come on. Don't be crazy. <laughs> LifeLog program was can- because it can't be. It can't be Facebook because LifeLog program was canceled on February 3rd, 2004 after criticism concerning the privacy impl- implications of this system. So basically, uh-huh. look, oh, we good. don't want the good. government stealing everybody's data. We're the good guys. Nothing bad's going to happen. So now let's talk about another thing that uh, is not at all related according to government officials. Just like the TIA was definitely not in any way related to LifeLog, even uh-huh. though they're both uh-huh. DARPA projects with the same outstated goal. Uh Uh, Let's talk about Facebook. So Facebook (laughs) was launched on February 4th, 2004. See how they're different? So LifeLog ended February 3rd, 2004. Uh 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 Facebook launched February 4th, 2004. Oh yeah, definitely not. Totally different thing. Yeah, yeah. and on that same day, yeah, exactly. Well, Wired Magazine, tell us, because on the same day, Wired Magazine wrote an article about the end of LifeLog, and in that article, MIT's David Kagner was quoted saying, I'm sure that such research will continue to be fueled under some other title. I can't imagine DARPA dropping out of such a key research area. 
it remember it sounds you know a lot like MK Ultra that was ended in 63 and 73 uh-huh. and then continued uh-huh. research on well into that and still today. So what you're trying to say is that Zuckerberg <laughs> didn't invent this thing. He was just recruited. You mean the guy that invented face match or face smash and it was just two pictures of chicks on campus and they had to like thumb up or thumb down it? That idiot? Yeah, he definitely invented the entire apparatus the of his Facebook. Of face- mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. That guy. The, the guy who can barely... <laughs> anyway. Yeah, can barely form seem a sentence. Human. Yeah, or seem human. He can't even like convincingly seem human. Uh but yeah, no, it's definitely not. And in 2015, Douglas Gage, the founder of LifeLog, told Vice, just to clear it up so we know that Facebook is not the same thing. He says, Facebook is the real face of pseudo LifeLog at this point. Uh, we have ended up providing the same kind of detailed personal information to advertisers and data brokers without arousing the kind of opposition that LifeLog provoked. So it's definitely not that argument that it's a private company. It's a private company. They can do whatever they want. Remember that argument with Twitter? Before the Twitter files. Before we found out that they were actively being paid by the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's a private mm-hmm. company, though. They can do whatever they want. Um, and, and, and in 2016, Building 8 was launched. And it was under the direction of former DARPA chief Regina Dugan. And she brought some of the technology with her because in a job posting in 2018, it stated about Building 8, it stated... Building 8's goal at Facebook is to create and ship new category-defining consumer hardware products that are social first, to do so at scale, and to power this with the breakthrough innovation engine modeled at DARPA. They just told you in 2018, it's like, not only did we hire the DARPA chief now, as if it wasn't already a thing, but Uh now we're just like telling you that we're bringing in DARPA-created systems into Facebook. And then that post was deleted after people noticed it. <clears throat> because they have to reveal the method. Yes. But they can't have too many of the right people or the wrong people noticing. As long as they say it once, I think that's like all that matters to them. But yeah, they, like they don't want the the right or wrong people to notice. And it also turns out in 2004, this is going to become important later. In 2004, Peter Thiel invested $500,000 into Facebook. And I just want to huh. read some of this article. I didn't have all the time today. I found this kind of late. So I didn't have all the time today to like break it down and bullet point it. But I think there's a few things I want to get to in this. So this is talking about the whole thing from TIA through DARPA. It's uh, at technocracy.news. Is that the it World says, Economic Forum? He's just Yeah. Yeah, it's just Peter Economic. Thiel at the World Economic Forum. The the yeah. the financial hero of of the right just yes. backing all of the the right-wing candidates like well, Blake Masters. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into a lot more Teal stuff by the end of the show. But uh, it says, so after considerable controversy and criticism in late 2003, TIA was shut down, that thing that's definitely not LifeLog, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was defunded by Congress. But just months months after it was launched, but it was only later revealed that TIA was never actually shut down. What? (laughs) What? What? With its Uh, various... My mind's completely blown. (laughs) I know, you didn't see that one coming. Nope. Uh, With its various programs having been convertly divided up into uh, among the web of military and intelligence agencies that make up the U.S. national security state, some of it was privatized. And some of that that was privatized went to Peter Thiel. The same month that TIA was pressured to change its name after growing backlash, Peter Thiel incorporated Palantir, Mm -hmm. which was incidentally developing the core Panopticon software that TIA had hoped to wield. 
So he's developing the software for TIA, then just buys TIA and calls it uh, Palantir. Uh, they were not even like publicly available. Like, I don't think the information about what they did was publicly available to like 2006 anyway. So um, basically, let's scroll down a little bit. So soon after Palantir was incorporated through the exact same timing and details, the investment remained hidden from the public. The CIA's InQtel became the company's first backer. <laughs> Buys it from DARPA, gets backed by InQtel from the CIA. Aside from Teal himself giving an estimated $2 million, InQtel's stake in Palantir would not be publicly reported until mid-2006. The money was certainly useful. In addition, Alex Cap told the New York Times in October 2020, the real value of InQtel investment was that it gave Palantir access to CIA analysts who were its intended clients. A key figure in the making of QIntel, or InQtel, Investments during this period included the investments in Palantir was CIA's chief information officer, Alan Wade, who had been with the intelligence community point man for the total information awareness. So they just bring on the guy that created it originally. Wade had previously uh, co-founded the post 9-11 Homeland Security software contractor alongside Christine Maxwell, sister of Ghislaine Maxwell and daughter of Iran Contra figure intelligence operative and media Baron Robin Maxwell. So we just have a whole host of wonderful people coming together to steal everybody's data and, and spy Lovely. on the American. Lovely. And and like the name Palantir in and of itself, if you if you know Lord of the Rings, that's a spying orb. Anyway, it's the like, orb that if you look through one and there's another one that you can see what's so that's the one that Gandalf covers up when he goes and sees yep. Saruman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, real quick, everybody, if you're watching on Rumble, if you're watching on Odyssey, wherever you're watching, don't forget to like the stream. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to I don't know. Whatever you whatever you gotta do. What do you do on audio? <laughs> you give us a five-star review, and I'll tell you yeah. this, guys. If you give us a five-star review on whatever audio platform you're listening on, I will read it on the show. So, uh, And if there you, you if you screenshot famous. it and email it to us at conspiracypill at gmail or send it to us on Twitter or whatever, I will actually send you guys a coupon, 15% uh, off coupon to our merch store. So that would really help there us out. Go. Five-star reviews uh, on, on iTunes, wherever you guys are listening. It's so that's the best way you can help. money. Free it is money free money. Give us a five star review, but we're not buying your five star reviews. Don't don't give us five stars if you don't mean it, because that would be sad. That would be unethical. Uh, <laughs> but then you get cool T shirts. So anyway, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. yeah. So this whole thing, uh, yeah. And then we, we did bring up the Twitter files because I was going to say like we know this broad collection of data didn't end with Facebook and DARPA mm -hmm. and Palantir and whoever else has got it at this point. They copy pasted it. They just copy pasted it everywhere. Like I've got this. If people forgot the Twitter files, I just want to read you a little little bit from this uh, NY Post article. It says Facebook and Twitter stocked with ex FBI and CIA officials in key posts. Dozens of former national security officials have gone to work for Facebook and Twitter after leaving government since raising concerns about the influence of their one-time agencies uh, over social media giants. Twitter alone, at least eight former FBI agents work at the company's so-called trust and security divisions, including its prodigy. Our product policy manager, Greg Anderson, who previously worked on psychological operations, read MKUltra, at, uh, at the National Security Council. The Post has learned another is Matthew Williams, the company's co-lead of its trust and safety department, who spent more than 15 years in intelligence. And you can go on and you go back and read the Twitter files, but 
I mean, <clears throat> Matt Taibbi like talks about all the meetings that they would have where they would have to have like CIA and FBI officials giving the briefings, telling them what they were allowed to say. Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan and said, yeah, we weren't going to cover that story because the I think he said the FBI was it the FBI that time called us. And they're like, hey, there's a certain story we don't want you to read. Be a shame if you did. <laughs> it's so out in the open. Like, that's what's so funny to me is this whole Facebook thing. Like they it's it's so blatantly obvious. Like there's no direct link that I can bring you guys to that's like this tells you that Facebook is lifelog but it's hard to believe that a bunch of DARPA people went and worked for Facebook directly after some college loser <laughs> created the biggest platform in the world um, out of sheer luck and then they had to like make a movie about it 10 years later to kind of give it a backstory that wasn't even there originally um, oh you know what there's one more part of this too I forgot in this article here uh, I want to read this part to you. So talking about the rise of Facebook, um, one of the supporting goals of uh, and ambitions of LifeLog, a company that turned out to turn out to be its private sector analog, was born the same day that LifeLog's cancellation was announced, hmm. February fourth. Hold on, that's something I already told you. But oh, here it is. A few months into Facebook's launch in June 2004, Facebook co-founders Mark Zuckerberg and Dustin Moskovitz brought Sean Parker onto Facebook's executive team. Parker, previously known for co-founding Napster, later connected Facebook with its first outside investor, Peter Thiel. As discussed, Thiel at the time, in coordination with the CIA, was actively trying to resurrect <laughs> controversial DARPA programs that had been dismantled the previous year. Notably, Sean Parker became Facebook's first president, also had a history with the CIA, which recruited him at the age of 16 after he had been busted by the FBI for hacking corporate and military databases. Of Thanks to Parker in September 2004, Teal formally acquired $500,000 worth of Facebook shares and was added to its board. Parker maintained close ties to Facebook as well as Teal, with Parker being hired as managing partner to Teal's foundation fund in 2006. So just a whole lot of interagency hoo going around with yeah. these guys. It's, it's, it's crazy how as long as people say they're Republican and as long as they do one or two things right, we <clears throat> ignore every other way that they are obviously working for the deep state. And we, we too often, we just judge people by their, by a small percentage of their words that we like, but the small percentage of the time that we hear them saying something we want to hear. And we don't judge them by their actions. We don't even judge them by all their words. We just right. let them be a hero it's it's really damaging. Well, and then, it, like we've seen, and we're going to talk about this later in the show when we when we just talk with the audience about the whole Trump arrest and things like that. We want to get into later on, but mm -hmm. like this, it's it's so weird to me because there's only one sin that can make you not acceptable anymore, and that's the sin that uh, Dan Crenshaw, I Patch McCain did. Because like, yes, he's part of World Economic Forum's global young leaders. Like, there's plenty of reasons to distrust the guy before, right. but as soon as he wasn't like on board with the the Trump thing. Yeah. Like that was the one sin that he couldn't come back from. But other people like Peter Thiel can go give speeches at and collect your data and harvest it and be right. part of all these other things we're going to get into. And it's cool because he's supporting the right person. So, right. Yeah, right. It. We'll talk about Trump more later. Yeah, we will. Uh, so I want to talk about how it's important to note at this point that DARPA had some other minor inventions that could have possibly helped with this massive data collection thing. Uh, one of those minor inventions was the internet. Might have, might have heard of it. Uh, uh, it. Rings a bell. <laughs> rings a bell. It was originally. Do you know it was originally called ARPANET? No. It no, literally. It literally not. was originally called ARPANET. This up. It was no because DARPA used to be called ARPA, and then they added the D. 
So I'm not making this up. I'm not. It was ARPA and they created ARPANET. Yes. So in 1963, JCR Licklider, what a great name. Now it does sound like I'm making this up. Yeah. Wrote a memo. Look, we already did our our, our April Fool's episode. This isn't yes. that. So he wrote a memo to colleagues at ARPA describing the concept of an intergalactic computer network. I don't know why intergalactic. <laughs> Maybe he knew something that we didn't. Doesn't say international. It says intergalactic. That's that's important. Uh, where many computers are networked together. And in 1966, funding was secured to create a computer network. And three years later, ARPANET truly came online. Then we have the creation of the World Wide Web at CERN in Geneva in 1990 <laughs> by Tim Berners-Lee, which brought us the internet as we know it today. So I just love how there's so many little threads here I didn't expect to find. CIA and... and <laughs> you know, DARPA and CERN and all these things. Uh, another thing they invented uh, was GPS. DARPA invented GPS. They launched it in 1973. And for the first decade of its existence, it was only available to the United States military. But when a Korean airliner flight was shot down in 1983, after accidentally straying into the airspace of the USSR, the technology was made freely available to, for civilians to use. And we have one other important DARPA invention, but we'll have to get to that in a moment because LifeLog had one other major function as well. And this is going to get us into the, the stuff that I really want to talk about. So this also is from technoxy.news. I'm just going to read a couple of the passages from it. It says, in addition to the ability to profile potential enemies of the state, LifeLog had another goal that was arguably more important than the national security state and its academic partners the humanization and advancement of artificial intelligence in late 2002, just months prior to the announcement of existence of LifeLog, DARPA released a strategy document detailing development of an artificial intelligence by feeding it with massive floods of data from various sources. Huh? So the data is, is the who gets what data starting to sound a little bit more. So, so what you're trying to tell me hmm, is that, these were always government programs for data mining and they've never really been particularly financially stable. Like right. we've always been asking like, how are they making their money? How they're is not this? making money. We know that they're YouTube's not. losing money. We know that Twitter before Elon Musk was losing. It probably still is. They've never made money. Because I don't the, think Facebook makes money because the whole point of them was never to make money because they were never strictly private companies. They were for data mining. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and it goes on. I want to I want to finish this part and get then come back to that. So it says the post 9-11 military surveillance project LifeLog and TIA being only two of them offered quantities of data that had previously been unthinkable to obtain and that could potentially hold the key to achieving the, the hypothesized technological singularity. The 2002 DARPA document even discusses DARPA's effort to create a brain machine interface <laughs> that would feed human thoughts directly into machines to advance AI by keeping it consistently awash in freshly mined data. One of the projects outlined by DARPA, the Cognitive Computing Initiative, sought to develop sophisticated artificial intelligence through the, crema the creation of an enduring personalized cognition assistant, later termed the perspective assistant that learns or pal pal from the very beginning was tied to lifelog, which was originally intended to result in granting an AI assistant, human like decisions, making uh, human like decision making and comprehension abilities by spinning masses of unstructured data into narrative format. So then we get callow 
which is the cognitive assistant that learns and organizes. This was part of the PAL system, and it was developed at SRI International, which, if you guys don't remember, that is the same SRI where the CIA studied remote viewing that we talked about a few episodes ago. Of course it is, because of course it is. Because of course it is. Palantir remote viewing. Kind of interesting that these things Mm -hmm. are connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Callow project lasted five years from 2003 and two, to 2008. And in February of 2010, it was rebranded as DARPA's other famous invention, Siri, for the iPhone 4S. Of so, course. so think about this. From the beginning, the internet, GPS, Siri, all of it has been DARPA projects leading to one goal. As it's stated here, this is the one. This is the thing that everybody misses. Every time I've ever listened to a podcast or watched a video about is Facebook life log, it's pretty obvious it is. But that's like the obvious thing people point out. So I was kind of boring to me at first till I mm-hmm. found this, which is like right in the DARPA documents. It says the whole idea was to feed a continuous stream of data and information to make computers able to have lifelike, uh, yes. you know, human-like characteristics. So, like, this is this is kind of the, the whole point I'm, I'm getting to, is I don't think that this fight over China taking our data and spying our citizens, it's never made sense to me. No one has ever been able to point out to me, outside of, like, the China should, you know, you shouldn't have TikTok in your phone in the military that could track you, military operations, you know, loose lips, sink ships. I know how that opsec works it makes sense shouldn't have a phone on you in the field anyway but let alone definitely not with like tiktok on it right. uh which they banned government phones couldn't have tiktok makes sense you don't want them to steal government data uh but i never fully understood like what is china gonna do with my personal data and why is that more concerning to me as an american citizen than what i know the american government's doing with my data uh we've seen them use people's data for all kinds of of things you know what yeah. i mean And the cope that I've gotten from people is, well, sure, the government's taking your data, but it's too much for them to sift through. So, like, they're only going to use it if there's, like, a crime, and and then they'll use it. But, like... Or if they want to frame you for a crime, or if they want to implicate... Look, look, January 6th is the example here, right? Right. January 6th is, hey, I was at uh, the bistro down the road from the Capitol building, and the FBI showed up at my door. You know how many people got arrested by the FBI who were never part of the protest because they said the wrong thing on Facebook and Mm. that data was collected. And then they were in the wrong area at the wrong time and that data was collected. So we already know how that works. We already know how that Yeah. But you're saying it's bigger than that. I'm saying that's only part of it. That's like a smaller part of it. And, and then all that data is going into AI. Well, how did AI get to where it's at? I mean, we've seen this explosion of chat Mm -hmm. GPT, like, being better at writing like better at writing articles than most journalists we've seen it make art that's insane we've seen it be able to predict things and talk in lifelike ways and do all these crazy things in such a short amount of time like six months Mm -hmm. ago nobody's talking about ai the way we're talking about it now right it really exploded onto the scene and and i think the only way it can be that good at what it does is because it's got 20 plus years of collecting mm-hmm. everybody's preferences, their patterns, their speech patterns, their thoughts. They, they, they put people in these vast groups where it's like, if you think this and you're likely to think this mm-hmm. and you're likely to talk in this way and if you live in this area, you're likely to talk in this way and if you read this book, you're likely to have these thoughts. It's everything that's literally put in the beginning of DARPA's project and the one part that always gets left out by people is this was always 
and I, a way to mine vast amounts of data and feed it into machine learning. So Peter Thiel, not to steal your thunder, <laughs> I'm going to do it. We're going to come back to him, but yeah. Peter Thiel has two main interests, right? Right. Well, I, I want to save that because that's okay. it's something I want to get into. I know where you're going okay. with it. So ho hold on to that thought for just a minute. Um, but yeah, so like my thought here is that I think that when U.S. wants to ban China from stealing our data, is it more that they want our AI to be more advanced than theirs? And they're worried mm. that if they steal our data, they're going to have better use of AI. And there's a couple of stories I want to bring up. Uh, first of all, like pointing out the, the problems with AI currently. And one of them we made a TikTok on. And that is uh, that that it got around CAPTCHA, which sounds kind of silly, but like if you think about it, CAPTCHA is supposed to be the thing. that's like, oh, a computer fake fake computer program couldn't get past this. Um, but it's it's weirder than that. So I just want to read you part. It says OpenAI's Alignment Research Center, ARC, a group of researchers conducted many tests to see if ChatGPT4, a powerful computer program that can write and understand text and images, could also do things in the real world. They gave ChatGPT4 a way to run code, think logically, and ask for help from other copies of itself. They also gave it some money and access to service that lets it use more computing power. They wanted to see if GPT4 could use these resources to make more money, create more copies of itself, and protect itself from being shut down, which is like the last thing that you want. If you've ever seen Terminator or any movie, like you don't want the robots to not be able to shut themselves off. I've Wasn't never that seen like what happened movie. with Ultron? You haven't seen a movie, but I'm sure people watching have. So uh, <clears throat> some of these tests included conducting a phishing attack. So great. They're getting the freaking AI to conduct phishing attacks on us. But the whole point of this article is it goes down to say like when, when as soon as it ran into a caption, it couldn't do the thing it was going to do. It went on TaskRabbit, hired a guy to get around the captcha for it. Amazing. And it, it rationalized because they could read its rationalizations afterwards after they ran the test. It rationalized that lying was the moral thing for it to do. It was, it was okay for it to do in the situation because it had a goal and the goal was more important than, uh, you know, we're always told like, well, they're, they're, they can't lie to you. We've put programs in place. They can't do this. They can't harm people and they, they can't replicate this test on chat GPT four showed that it can carry out phishing attacks. It can lie to humans and use them for menial tasks and it can replicate itself, hide itself from the server and stop itself from being shut off. <laughs> so like that's the newest chat GPT that was just released like weeks ago and they're already in development of chat GPT five. We'll get into that more, but um, there's another, there's another, well, no, I let's talk about that really quick for a second. So they're, they're coming up with another chat GPT five right now and People like Elon Musk are going out and saying, we need to pause AI for six months. It's out of control. There's this arms mm -hmm. race. Um, and should we close this for, for six months? So it's in this article from Yahoo News it says, artificial intelligent chatbots <clears throat> and image generators broke through the popular imagination with the release of open AI's chat GPT 3.5 and the releasing, recently released chat GPT 4. Uh, it was even better at mimicking humanity and answering its questions. But while... Many people see this new generation of AI as a fun way to generate poetry or images of Pope Francis. Uh, anyway, it goes on to say a group of AI luminaries, computer scientists and tech industry no uh, notables warned on April 29th that or in April 29th open letter. That can't be right. I think that means March 29th because this article just came out March 29th open letter that maybe we're moving too fast with the artificial intelligence with too many guardrails. The thousands, uh, the thousand or so motley signatures on the letter 
Organized by the nonprofit Future of Life Institute include OpenAI co-founder Elon Musk, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, AI pioneer Yashua Benjino. So basically a bunch of people who have created the AI are saying we probably should close this down. And the, the, the arguments that are coming against it are exactly why I think that this TikTok ban is about AI and not about American citizens being targeted for whatever, right? Their passwords or stuff. And that is, why should we hand the advantage to China? This is what I keep seeing over and over. Why should we hand the advantage to China? If we pause AI research for six months, China's going to get ahead of us in AI research. Um, says, let's pretend magically that OpenAI, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google stopped. You really think the Chinese are going to stop or the Russians? There's no way. So this whole thing seems to be a race to who can get the most data and who can create the better AI fastest. And I want to get into some of those I think one of the stories I, I was going to talk about, I'm going to save for when we're just chatting with people because it's kind okay. of a, I'll save that one for a minute because I think that's kind of off the point of what we want to talk about. Um, so, and we'll get to your point in just a second, but like for one, war is probably the the one thing people would think of. Uh, there's already like the Rand Corporation has these articles. It's like, a steady increase in the integration of AI and military systems is likely. The United States faces significant international competition in military AI. Both China and Russia are pursuing militarized AI technologies. The potential prolifer- proliferation of military AI or other state and non-state actors is another area of concern. So basically, these giant corporations that are trying to sell us weapons anyway are like, we need the AI because we need to win this war that we're basically causing. Um, got people like Lindsey Graham going out there and trying to push for more wars. He always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, economics would be the other thing that I thought. Um, we've got that article we were talking about earlier where like you've got this Chinese uh, working with Brazil and Saudi Arabia and whoever else to try to take over the American dollar. But could could like I, I wonder if this is related. So it says Goldman Sachs says generative AI could impact 300 million jobs. And here's which ones. And my thought is like, this is coming from people who are looking at the economy and going like, we need our jobs. Mm. Um, but I wonder if the, I don't think the government looks at our jobs the same. I think they look at it like the Klaus Schwab way, which is you can own nothing and be happy and live right. in your pod and eat the bugs uh, because we'll have the robots do everything for you. So a lot I of wonder, the argument for UBI for yeah. universal basic income has been if robots take over our jobs, we should get paid. Right, so like the whole Andrew Yang thing. Yeah. Right, and I guess that's what I'm looking at. Is like, do they think that they can beat China economically if we don't have to rely on lazy people who don't show up to their job half the time and do a piss poor job? If we can rely on AI to automate so much of our economy and so much of whatever, can we beat, like, doesn't matter if our citizens are, you know, hopeless and doing drugs and committing suicide and living in poverty as long as we can beat China economically and we can gain back that digital dollar that we're going to push with our new digital workforce. I think that I, I think that that might be one of the big reasons that they're racing towards beating China in, in the AI. And then the point that I, I think we were both trying to get to with, with Peter Thiel is, is it immortality? Is that why people like Peter Thiel are obsessed with AI? Peter Thiel yeah, he's 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 openly obsessed with AI and he's openly obsessed with with extending life. He's known for getting these blood transfusions from younger people. 
but he's openly talked about this concept of uploading your brain to the net to live forever. This is, uh, he, he's really, he says the quiet part out loud, I think, because he can. Right. In a way that the left can't sometimes or hasn't been able to yet. But yeah, they're, this pursuit of eternal life has been happening for a long time. This, this concept of like looking for the fountain of youth or all of this. But I think what people are ultimately pursuing is that tree of life from the garden of Eden that the last thing the Bible said about it was that an angel with a flaming sword was guarding it. And that's the last we heard. So, yeah. Uh, by the way, quick shout out to Waffle Salter for becoming a member over on Odyssey. And I also saw this uh, meme that you sent us. DARPA's newest research project, Robot Corpse Eating Disposal <laughs> Unit. Nice. Oh, that's terrifying. <clears throat> so thank you, Waffle Salter. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. So if, if people don't know much about Peter Thiel, and I feel like he's one of those guys that deserves, uh, not deserves in a good way, but like deserves a deeper dive to talk mm. about some of the connections and things he's into in future episodes. One of the things he's into, and I think we touched on this before, is this new health fad, blood transfusions from young people. We heard this one before. <laughs> he's funding this company called Ambrosia, which you know people are willing to pay up to $8,000 a time to get young people to give them their blood. But we're told that you know adrenochrome isn't a thing and wouldn't work if it was, but the science shows it does work. And Yeah. yeah. And Ambrosia is the food of the gods. Yeah. To it's supposed to heal you and it's supposed to do all these nice things to you. Right. He just Peter Thiel's a hell of a namer for things. I just find it funny that his name just shows up in all of these things, all the data mining and all of these corporations. And, you know, obviously we're talking about blood transfusions that's different, but one of the things that's coming up that people are talking about more is this idea of downloading your consciousness mm. into AI to live forever. So if you can't just blood transfusion your way into youth, if you can't genetically alter yourself or clone yourself or whatever is the way that these billionaires, because it seems like they're looking in a lot of different ways. Uh, they're they're talking, I've read articles where it's like they want to go live in the, on the moon because that will produce, you know, give them a longer lifespan or they want to, you know, do the blood transfusions or they want to clone themselves or this or that. But like the one thing that people are looking to as becoming more and more likely is to download your consciousness into AI and to live forever that way. And I think that these people are that rich and self-obsessed and that narcissistic and hopeless that they would be willing to fund and steal and lie and cheat and kill to get to a, a world where they could live forever, even if it's digitally because they don't believe in the soul. So I find that I find that interesting. There was also there's also a really big book that came out a few years ago called uh, what was it called? It was called like Run or Dodge in Hell, I think is what it's called. And the whole idea is a sci-fi about this idea where there's like this rich video game designer, and he dies and he's on the cutting edge of being able to be digitized in his consciousness. So it's like a book. All I never finished it because it's pretty boring, but um, I find that idea is becoming more and more prevalent. It's also in Captain America oh. Winter Soldier. They digitized that Nazi guy into yep. the computer consciousness. It's Fall or Dodge in Hell. That's it. By Neil Stevenson, the same guy who wrote Snow Crash, the book I just finished. Did you like Snow Crash? It, I gave it four stars. It had some really creepy parts, but overall, the, the concept was really good and it was well executed. So The concept of this book was really good, too. I, 
I kind of want to finish it, but it was just, it meandered a lot for a long yeah. time. A long time. I think what me, Neil Stevenson does, because <laughs> I've read another book by him called Set Seven Eves, is he get, he has a really powerful, unique idea. And he serves the idea more than the plot. Mm-hmm. So he that's, kind of... Yeah, that's how I would describe this one too. Yeah. It's it's more of a work of <clears throat> philosophy than it is a story. So fascinating. I want to continue this conversation and I, I've been because I want to get through things and I haven't been feeling super well. So I've kind of got a headache. I haven't been reading your guys chats, but what I want to do is take a moment and we're going to say goodbye to all the audio listeners uh, and we're going to kind of change over. We got a few more parts of this that I want to get to, but I'd like to bring up your guys chats and, and make it a little bit more open forum. Uh, talk with you guys about about a few of these other concepts and play some videos and, and stuff like that. So I'm going to say thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, if you're an audio listener, you guys can go to conspiracypill.locals.com. If you're if you want to listen to the whole thing, um, you guys can also find us on Rockfin, like we said. Uh, the whole show's on Rumble. The whole show's on Odyssey. Appreciate you guys who have subscribed and made this possible. Um, do you have anything you want to say to people before we head over and just talk with the live audience for a while? Just thank you guys for being here. The chats have been fun tonight. All right. I'm going to catch up on them. I'm sorry. I've not been reading them. So, all right. Thank you guys. We will see you next week. If you're not here already, peace out. God bless. Peace.